Welcome to the Republican Professor this morning for me, because I'm in California. We have a very special guest, the founder of Mama Bear Apologetics. I cannot believe we have Mama Bear Apologetics on the podcast. Miss Hillary, Mrs. Hillary Ferrer. Did I get your, did I totally screw your name up? Nope, that's right. Okay. Thanks for being here, uh, Hillary and Mama Bear. Yep, no problem. <laughs> uh, so you're joining us from, do you care to say? From Iowa. It's one of the long list of things that I said I'd never do. I, you know, I'd never moved to the Midwest was on my list of all nevers. And then all the other I never, all nevers is basically my resume. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> but this is just one in a long list of many. So, yeah, I'm a, but I am a Texas girl. Uh, I, oh. Actually, I call myself the Texafornian because I'm half Texan, half Californian. Uh, spent a lot of time out in California. Never thought I would end up in Iowa. And yet here we are. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, so what's Iowa like compared to Texas? Uh, so I don't know what Iowa per se is like. We, we're in a really small town, but it's a very educated small town. I won't say which one it is, but um, mm. I love that if I have to drive all predict. the way across town, it's like seven minutes. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. So my husband and I joke about when we have four people get to the stop sign at the same time. Uh, you're like, oh, the traffic's awful today. <laughs> yep. So I would say that's different from both California and Texas. I got so tired of the traffic, but um, I just kind of like how the pace of life is slower here and it's, uh, it's got a very community feel. We have, you know, things on Thursday nights during the summer, uh, Thursdays on the square where with like barbershop quartets and like the little dance team from, you know, Mrs. Whoever's, uh, dance studio down the road. It's just a really charming place to live. So it kind of feels like we're in a time warp back, uh, back a couple generations. That's delightful. There are some towns in California like that. Uh, mm -hmm. and you can't make it up and I've experienced it a little bit here in Orange County uh, for the longest time I had really long commutes to my jobs uh, teaching for example I think the furthest commute I had was in Malibu uh, Pepperdine for a long time but <sighs> I got I got I got this job teaching constitutional law at Cal State Fullerton which is close to where I live it's in my town so mm -hmm. I actually had that small town feel uh, while I was teaching at Cal State Fullerton because my favorite coffee shop was on this street. My favorite used bookstore was right across the street. Two blocks away was our church. And then um, just down the street, I, could, I didn't even have to get on the highway. I could just drive through the neighborhood and be mm -hmm. at work. So that's, that's something that I really kind of, I'm sad that seems to be less and less common, but yeah. uh, I'm glad that you're experiencing it. That's awesome. So you, uh, you have this mama bear apologetics. What would you like to tell us about how that got started? What it is? I know there's a book mm -hmm. and I know you have a podcast. You have quite a following on Facebook. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember Thank you. I, I started following you guys back when you had like 3000 people following you, or I think it was even less than that. I looked yeah. uh, recently when I was going to invite you guys on and I couldn't believe it was like eight times that it was like 10 times that or something like that. So, um, I don't yep. know what your secret is, uh, what you're putting in the cereal over there, but, <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's the story behind mama bear apologetics? I think it was honestly just a need that nobody was paying attention to. And that's kind of a recipe for uh, exponential growth. I know that I did not plan on the ministry becoming as big as it is. I, uh, our, our stance when we first started it was even if we only reach five women, we are going to be faithful with those five women. And that's what we always talked about every single time when we would do podcasts, when we would do blogs that, that, we were doing what we were doing because we were being faithful to what God had called us to and not because we were trying to platform or do whatever. Mm. Um, and we recognized it could be a totally, you know, nothing ministry and we were fine with that. So, but God did not have that <laughs> in mind. So I, uh, I started Mama Bear when uh, a couple, couple different things all kind of happened around the same time. Uh, one of them was there was a woman in a Sunday school that my husband and I had been invited to uh, help out with at my parents' church. And she kind of stood up and gave her testimony of when her child walked away from the faith. 
And basically she had raised him in Awana and, you know, youth group. He got rededicated when he went to college, but his first job out of college, this boss said, oh, you know, Jesus is like Santa Claus for adults. And there was something about that phrase that made him just go completely off the deep end. And so every time he would come home, she would be like, what, what, what questions do you have? You know, what, what do you need me to help you with? And so he would say, well, I'm kind of wondering about this and about this. And then he would go back and she would just dig into study. And this woman was not an academic. She was not a reader. She was not really anyone you would think would ever be involved in apologetics in the first place. But what she was, was a mama bear because she saw something that was threatening her child's faith and she did whatever she needed to do in order to be there for her son. And so um, that was kind of one of the things. Uh, Secondly, I started noticing how every single conference that I went to at churches always had childcare except for one type of conference. Can you guess what type of conference that was? apologetics conferences for some reason every other conference had childcare except for this and I was like what is up with this and so people were saying well you know it's only the men who are interested I'm like how do you know it's just the men who are interested the of course the men are interested and then someone has to stay home with the kids who do you think that's going to be it's going to be the mom right Um, right wow yeah And so I just started getting a passion for mom and apologetics. I think I read a statistic that talked about how uh, a a mom gets more questions per hour a day than the Queen of England does during an interview. And I mean, you see moms with these kids going, mom, 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 and just asking question after question after question. And so who do you think is getting the spiritual questions first? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, It's going to be mom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I thought we need, oh, and then the final piece of the puzzle, because I've never been into women's ministry. I never really kind of hung out with the girls, you know, growing up, I was always kind of a daddy's girl and I hung out with guys and other girls who hung out with guys. Did so there was a, a lot knife? of just, did you have a pocket? Uh, knife? I did have a pocket. knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but I found out that there was a large demographic of women who wouldn't read something unless it was by women for women. Mm-hmm. And I thought, holy cow, well, we especially who's who's going to take this up? And so I felt like the Lord just kind of given showing me this ministry. And I thought, you know, who should I hand this off to? You've given me this to be like the courier to someone because uh, we didn't have kids at the time. We still don't have kids. My husband and I have talked that um, that we just never had permission to basically for a lot of health health conditions that I've got that um, I would not be able to take care of children on a regular basis. So I thought no one's going to listen to me because I'm not a mom. And the Lord kind of made it clear that I had something that moms don't have, which is time to research. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yep. So um, I grabbed a couple ladies and I said, let's do this. And uh, so we started just learning how to use WordPress and learning how to do podcasts. That was like a pretty long, I mean, it was like at least a year that we had to take. Yeah. What was that process? Stuff. How did you get the, are you a tech mm-hmm. person? Do you, no. do you how did you figure out, was that, did that take courage for you to do that? Yes, it did. Well, I think the Lord helped a little bit. There was um, uh, a job that my husband and I had taken uh, with, uh, 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 with an ex-seminary professor of his that was starting a website that was uh, kind of a tent maker ministry thing. And John and I were originally hired as writers but I noticed that their images were just a hot mess. And so I have a background in photography and design. So I, I said, why don't I just do that? So <laughs> in working for that business, I kind of learned the back end of WordPress. And so that oh. was really helpful. Yeah. Now the podcasting, we had to just teach ourselves. And there was one point where we, we thought we got the right equipment and then it took, you know, six months to try to get it edited. And then we realized we had to do it in a different format. It was, I mean, that's probably what that whole first year was just until we finally had to find someone that could help us out with that. And um, Hmm. I remember the day being at work uh, when I finally learned how to do some of the editing myself, but it just took so long. Yes. Uh, I I just went on my, uh, there was like another women's ministry that had just popped up and it's like, they were umbrellaed under this other thing. I'm like, that must be nice just to show up and talk and everybody takes care of the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, so I just went and got on my face and prayed in the office and I felt the Lord saying, go post something right now in the CAA, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's the Christian apologetics alignment or alignment Christian. Why am I drawing a blank Christian (laughs) apologetics? Alliance, some Alliance. Thank you. I'm like, I knew. Yeah, I knew it's not association. Uh, yeah, Alliance. And, um, 
and I just had said, hey, would anybody be interested in helping us um, edit this podcast? And right away, this this guy who's uh, who's an army guy who loves apologetics um, and just had really wanted to serve said, oh, I'll do it. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. He is still with us to this day <laughs> and does all of our wow. stuff. He has been so faithful. And um, and so, yeah, the Lord has just provided what we needed um, as we went along the way. Uh, and we had no concept of, you know, hey, let's write books or whatever. But it wasn't long. It was probably about a year after we had been a ministry that uh, we had a, a publishing house reach out to us saying, we'd really like you to write a book. Um, and so I did a lot of research to try to see what books were currently out there. There's a ton of, que- you know, question answer books like, you know, if you hear this question, answer this. And, you know, some of them for parents. Natasha Crane has done a great job with a lot of those. So I, I wanted to see what wasn't out there. Um, and so I wanted to take a lot of the questions that kids are having. And I wanted to say, where are those questions coming from? Because they're not coming from nowhere. So that kind of ended up being we're looking at, we call them the isms, all the different worldviews that are kind of undermining kids' ability to have faith in the historic Christian gospel. And um kind of answering some of those lies. So that first book was called Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies. Um, and uh, that's gone unexpectedly well. And then the publisher wanted another book on sexuality, which I turned down over and over again, because I just kind of wasn't <laughs> sure if I wanted to invite that kind of vitriol, but I finally mm-hmm. did it. And um, yeah. and uh, had one of our other mama bears, Amy Davison, kind of contribute uh-huh. some to that. and. Um, yeah, there's a lot, so of, there's a lot that, of bullying out there. There's a lot of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of viciousness. And I've seen it firsthand uh, yep. in, in LA and California on the college campuses. So I'm, I'm, yep. I can imagine what you're going through and, and, and what that was like for you. Uh, what I love about your story is the, um, the fact that you saw clearly that moms women moms are on the front lines of apologetics Mm -hmm. even if they don't know it Mm -hmm. they are the marine corps of Mm -hmm. this this cultural fight if you will Mm -hmm. but they're they're there and who is preparing them? Who is uh, answering that call for that incredible need, which knows no boundary of state, knows no boundary of country, actually, either? Yep. And um, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I, I just like to sit in that for a second, just like moms are on the front lines there's an incredible need who is meeting that need and so you were like i will go (laughs) i will go and i don't know how i'm going to get these needs taken care of i don't know how i got this need over here i got this this may gives me anxiety this is uh maybe causing some fear but fear is required for courage Mm-hmm. It cannot be courage if it doesn't, if you don't have fear, if you don't have like, that's why a computer can't have courage because a computer yeah. doesn't experience any fear. So it's to me that you're doing something courageous. How many books do you have now? Is it two books? So now? we've got, we've got two books and then uh, we have a study guide for the two first books. one in a, a discipleship workbook for the sexuality book that will be released in uh, September. A workbook. Okay. So you had to learn all about publishing and like podcasting and that's a lot like the back end yeah. of WordPress. I, I don't understand <laughs> that stuff. I mean, geez, that's like a jungle. Yeah. Um, now. I, I just, I'm so, I, I'm so in awe of what you're doing because I get as a professor, I get them in the classroom after Mm -hmm. moms have done their job oftentimes moms have done an awesome job with the resources that they have yeah but but you can tell sometimes that the resources just aren't there the the resources aren't there and the students are not prepared they're they're coming to college and they're not prepared 
So I'm very interested in the backstory of that. That's why I'm, I'm interested in having you on the podcast is because I, I see what they're going up against and I see their level of preparation. And mm-hmm. I just wonder, is, is there anybody else that's like taking care of some of this back end stuff? Like, you know, pre- before they get to college, anybody who's doing that work, I'm very interested in. So, um, thank you. That's what I want to say. Thank you. Uh, it's our pleasure. Um, how I, long is it? Was it fair for me to, to, to say that you were the founder of mama bear? Cause you said the word we a few times and I, I didn't want to leave people out. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I, I founded it. I had a friend of mine who I said, you want to come and do some of the podcasts with me. And, uh, she contributed some to the book, but she has since gone on to do her own projects, uh, mainly, um, uh, going on to get an advanced degree. And so we have a couple, I have always wanted it to be a, we, I never wanted mama bear apologetics to be me. Um, I've always wanted to surround myself with other women. So like, uh, Julie Los is one that contributed to the first book. Uh, she was one of the first people I told about the idea. And so we brainstormed on stuff, but, uh, I mean, when it came down to who was like, writing the stuff and who was putting the website together and who was editing the podcast and who was doing all that stuff. It, it was making logos. <laughs> that was me. But um, I, I just wanted it to be a, a group project, even, even if people could only contribute a little bit. And so now I've got a really great team of um, I've got a woman who we, she's our admin, but she's so much more. She just does everything. And then uh, we have Lindsay and Amy who, who help out a lot. Lindsay's great with scheduling. Amy's great with writing. And we still have Jeremiah who has been editing our podcasts and now our vlogcasts since basically that day when I was on my face on the floor at the, at the office. Um, and I'm trying to think of, oh, and a, and a girl, Robin, who helps with some of the tech stuff, uh, some of the, she really enjoys learning some of the tech stuff. So it's like when we really needed somebody, I've just prayed and the Lord has brought the person there. And so uh, we very much enjoy our team and yeah, your, um, your admin is Nancy, right? Yes. And she's Nancy. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure she got named there. Okay. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. So your, your logo and your branding is really cool. Um, this was t- a rebrand and we actually, someone else did this for us. Our original one was me, but this one was, we had a company to help, help do kind of like a rebrand and a redesign on the website. Cause you can only go so far when it's someone who doesn't know what they're doing. So, uh, thankfully we got some help with that eventually. Do you like watch nature shows or something? How did you come up with the bear? Like, do you watch like those uh, national <laughs> geographic things? Did you see like a bear cub or uh, like a, a mama bear, like killing I don't know. Well, I think the concept of mama bear is pretty ubiquitous in the United States. And it was kind of interesting. I did a, I did a, a, a book launch party for Indonesia a couple of weeks ago where they had the question, they asked me, what is a mama bear? And I realized they don't have any bears over there. So they don't, they don't recognize the connotation. Um, so it, it, the mama bear, it's like, it's just this creature that most, uh, a lot of people in America know is she's sweet and maternal and cuddly until you mess with her kids. And then she is going to open up a cannon you're gonna wish you hadn't been born because she's just gonna come out and defend um we were always taught that you know back when i was young and you're camping if you ever see a mama bear with her cubs you just back away you don't try to you don't try you try to not see them it's like we were taught that there was no creature that was as fierce as a mama bear protecting her cubs and so when i saw the woman her name was uh, jody vice stand up at that one uh, um Sunday school and was given her testimony about all the things that she did to, you know, teach herself postmodernism and, uh, you know, all, all the apologetics topics so that she could help her son. I remember sitting back and thinking, what is that? I thought, that's a mama bear. And I was like, wouldn't it be amazing? It's like mama bears will come out in a variety of situations, but w- how amazing could it be if we could kind of trigger that instinct, that protective instinct? and steer it towards something as productive as apologetics when they realize that their children's faith is being torn to shreds or as you know people are purposely wanting to attack their children's faith you're going to raise up a different beast than you've ever seen in homeschool than you've ever seen in a wanted there's just a completely different beast that rises up and says we are going to get to the bottom of this not my kids not today and i thought that's what i want to do i want to create kind of like an army of mama bears 
who will study things they wouldn't normally study and will do things they wouldn't normally do so that they can prepare their kids intellectually for the tenets of the faith. They're going to be challenged. You know, back then it was just in college, but really now in high school and now middle school and elementary school, it just keeps getting younger and younger and younger. Um, back, back when I was in high school, uh, we had something called mind games, where it was like this, this week-long camp that juniors and seniors could go to that kind of went into world youth stuff. Now we have a bunch of different places that have different gap year programs like Impact 360, um, Summit Ministries, um, a couple other ones where they do this worldview training, but it's still for juniors and seniors or people who have just graduated. We need to be doing this for middle school on up. And so there's a lot more great resources that are out there, but again, they're all just for youth. They are not going into the home and equipping the mom to do it. One of um, mm. the things that one of my, uh, um, I would say colleagues, Mary, Mary Jo Sharp has mentioned from her talks is that when someone comes and asks a question at, at the end of one of her talks, if a man's asking you a question, often that question is something that he struggles with. But however, a lot of times when a woman is asking a question, she's asking on behalf of someone or there's someone she's ministering to that has this question. So there's just like this ministerial heart and this relational dynamic for women being involved in apologetics um, that is different from men. And so I wanted to create a space where we didn't just have a bunch of women doing apologetics like men and then saying it's for women. We wanted it to be for women, the way women are already thinking, which is how can I love and serve the people in my life without uh, burning bridges and being argumentative? Because a lot of times apologetics was seen as, you know, debate and that's all. And I've had so many women say, I always had such a bad taste in my mouth about apologetics, but I love your book. And that's something I can do. It's, it's building bridges. It's having conversations and it's just kind of a different, it's just a different approach. Wow. 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 Okay. I'm going to make some comments. And so first of all, the bear thing <laughs> that every, every woman every woman that I've mentioned your branding to, they get it in 2.5 nanoseconds. I don't have to uh -huh. explain it. That's why uh -huh. I knew you were onto something with the branding. I was like, <laughs> I don't have to explain this. They immediately, they've never looked at your stuff. They get it right there. They say, awesome. I'm going to look that up. So that's huge right there. The, the mom bear, that's, uh, it's very interesting because a mama bear, the very first thing I think of is incredibly strong, mm. way yeah. stronger than any other threat to that little bear, right? Mm. Incredibly strong. I mean, you could think vicious, you think, but I, you know, viciousness is not enough. Strength, competency, in other words, if there's a threat to that little bear, there is a competent, thing that's going to get in the way that's what i noticed and so that's what i love about the another thing is because it, it immediately brings to mind strength and competency for the task at hand which is protecting yep. that little bear hmm. so i love that and i think that's brilliant i, I mean you obviously must have gotten a download or something from the holy spirit or something <laughs> like that but um so you yeah. mentioned the impact 360 uh yeah I mean, Summit Ministries, I'm very familiar with them. I, I went through Summit Ministries myself when I was 14. I oh, was the youngest good. one there. I was the youngest nice. one there. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not saying I understood it, but um, it must have made but some impact on me because it started Look at your career, where you are yeah, it got now. Me, it made an impact. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I What I remember about Summit was that I was the youngest one there. Well, there was actually one other kid that was younger than me. There was a 13-year-old. But I was the youngest one there and uh, there was a book table and there was all these books and there was all these people excited about books. That's what I remember. And it was, it was cool to like books. <laughs> and um, I went through four times, um, all four years of high school. Thanks uh, to you and your parents. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And my dad was a carpet layer. You know, my, <laughs> my, my parents were not intellectuals at all. My, my grandpa never went to college. He's the one that paid for it. Um, he, um, 
he wasn't really that big of a reader either, but he had a lot of books. Um, so, and then impact 360, I know about them because I just had John on the podcast that John Basie is the guy that runs that for, you're talking about the Chick-fil-A family and the, the, in Pine Mountain, Georgia, um, Pine three, yeah. impact 360 Institute. Yeah. Impact just had 360. Him on. Jonathan Morrow is the guy that I know that is okay. doing that. He's an old professor of mine. In fact, a lot of his, I, I would say a lot of the stuff in my, um, first book, I can trace back to lectures from him. So, oh, cool. Yeah. And so when you said we need a middle school version of that, see what you're doing is you have this insight on what the real need is. It's like, okay, we're doing some great stuff here. Great. We need a version of that one step younger because the world is getting crazier. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, it's not like it was even when I was a kid. Wouldn't you say that's true for, for you? Oh, Yeah. I've said that, you know, the world is different from when I was, I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And my, my cousins, you know, when they talk to their mom about parenting, uh, one of my cousins, the mom will be like, well, you just have to. And she's like, no, you don't get to give me this advice. The world is different than when you were a parent. It was way easier. Uh, and so, yeah, I just think about how thankful I am that I was born when I was, because I don't know if I would have, I don't know what would have happened to me in this kind of environment. You know, there's another thing that you mentioned was, which is the nature of apologetics itself, which it has tended to be kind of debate focused. There's, mm -hmm. it's not all that. So all of you guys that have been doing dialogical, I got it, you know, sure. That's understandable. But I think I, it's fair to say preparing for like a debate, you know, that, that has been a major focus of apologetics. I think of, um, one of my professors, which is William Lane Craig, and he's really good at that. He he goes up there and he he debates and he's he's incredibly competent about that. But when it's kids like middle schoolers and even mm -hmm. elementary, you're having a dialogue with that little one. And their little soul and mind is being formed. Their heart is being formed. And the debate format isn't really helpful um, and it's actually not even helpful oftentimes for adults, which is it's what I really very, think is interesting about your, your mm -hmm. insight there. It's a small minority, I'd say, who really respond to that. Uh, and I mean, I should know my husband was a debater. Uh, he, he has done all sorts of debates on the, the problem of evil and on uh, pro-life stuff. Um, he, he loves that format, but I would never, ever want to do that. Uh, I have no interest in it, but um, I would say, especially for younger kids, you're trying to help them piece together a worldview. I think sometimes um, uh, parents kind of put the worldview together for their kids, almost like they're cutting up their meat and vegetables and then presenting it to them. And once the kid gets in a situation where part of that worldview, you know, someone bumps the table and that worldview goes all over the place, they have no idea how to put it back together themselves because they weren't consciously putting it together. So I would say like, if we're looking at resources, there's a girl named Elizabeth Urbanowitz who has something called foundation worldview curriculum that is aimed at grades three through five for teaching a lot of these foundational worldview issues and just some basic apologetics. I would say also uh, Sean McDowell and um, partnered with Awana and did the Awana advocates curriculum. And even though it says it's for high school, I honestly think that a lot of middle schoolers could follow that as well. Um, but I, I just think the best tactic is the one that my pastor's wife used to say, and she was usually mean in terms of like, you know, sex and bad words and stuff like that. But she says, I don't want my kids hearing anything that they haven't heard in my kitchen first. And I would say the same thing for apologetics and just arguments against the Christian faith. Our kids shouldn't hear any objection to the faith that they haven't heard in our kitchen first, right before we refute it to help them think through that. That way they have this history, this rich history to draw upon that when there's a tough question, there's even tougher answers that are there. You just have to look for them. That's awesome. Um, what was the, what was Elizabeth's last name again? Urbanowitz, it's U-R-B-A-N-O-W-I-C-Z. And it was called Foundation Worldview? Uh-huh three grades, three to five. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Grades. Okay. 
and she just released a logic class for that uh, for that age. She's released uh, basic apologetics. Talking. Yeah, she's I taught uh, logic. She's in, so that was that was yeah. my main thing. I taught was logic. Oh, her you will you will love her logic curriculum. And then she's got one on hermeneutics that's going to be coming out soon. Oh wow, logic and hermeneutics, dang. She's so great with putting it into kid language. She was a she was a third grade teacher for about ten years. Third grade teacher. Wow. Uh, I I don't know enough about this area of expertise, but it seems like there's got to be all sorts of pitfalls and landmines here developing this material for kids. Is it just like? kind of try something and hit and miss or continually refining things uh, because kids are so different. Like each kid is different. Like you might have an yeah. autistic, you might not even know this kid is autistic. You just know that socially he's a little, he, he might be able to really drill down on a topic and wants his questions answered. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody else is just uh, trying to fit in socially. So how do you, mm -hmm. how do you reach each kid individually um, how do you know what to aim for? Well, that's why we do what we do at mama bear apologetics. People keep asking us, do you have a kid's curriculum for this? Do you have this for kids? And we keep telling them, no, our ministry is not for kids. Our ministry is for moms. If the moms can get the information to the point of where they understand it well enough, then guess who's an expert on their child. That would be mom. And so if there's something that uh, she needs to explain to him, she has to first really fully understand it herself first. And once she fully understands it, then she can adapt it to her child because there's really no way to have a kid's curriculum that, that touches every single aspect of every single kid. But if you can get the mama bears to understand it well enough, they can adapt the material to whatever their children need. Do you find that there's uh, a lot of, there's a lot of work because women are reaching out about specific things they're encountering that maybe you haven't talked about or haven't given them a resource for yet. Yeah, I get lots and lots of emails every day from, uh, from women for different reasons. And I try to just, um, uh, I, I try to always answer as personally as I can and give them some of my ideas. And then if it seems like one that really needs more, um, follow up. I'll, I'll um, welcome them to follow up with me, but some of them are just, um, it, it's questions that I've heard before, or I, I have resources that I can point them to, but again, it's usually me pointing them to resources for them to understand. Um, I haven't gone through a ton of kids curriculum stuff just because that would probably be a weakness of mine is just, you know, I haven't taught kids. I've taught high schoolers before. Um, I haven't taught young kids and I uh, haven't had young kids. So it's like, I can imagine what it's like to translate some of those things into kid language, but that can't be my main thing. My main thing is helping is helping moms to translate it to kind of a general kid language. And then she can tweak it from there. What do you think is the, if you had to just guess the biggest issue or set of issues that is on your radar as far as specifics about apologetics? Um, I oh golly, there's a whole, there's basically all the stuff that's going on right now is like a bunch of dominoes that have just, you know, toppled over. And every single one of those dominoes, if we could just stand firm on one of those domino pieces, it would stop it. But, you know, the very first one, the very last one, they've all just kind of toppled over. So I would say just the idea that the postmodernism bringing this idea that there is no such thing as absolute truth. There is nothing that applies to everyone that's true for everyone. I would say everything undergirds that. I would um, move, going on a little further from that in, in our book, we call it emotionalism. It's this idea that, you know, now that we've kicked truth to the curb, we still have this kind of truth vacuum where we're trying to find what is true. And so there's all these different ways we try to find what my truth is. And so this concept of uh, emotions, being able to, to point towards truth, I like to say in that chapter that as long as your emotions are disciplined by scripture, reason, and reality, then yeah, you can use your emotions for truth. But if you're missing those three things, then you have no idea what direction your emotions are pointing you to. So I would say that's a big one right now that people just assume that if I feel it, if it, it's true. Uh, and then once you get past any kind of the religious and stuff, once you really don't have a truth that's binding for everyone, all you're left with is power. 
And then that's where we get into all the identity politics and the Marxism and stuff like that. But none of this would have been possible had we not jettisoned truth first, had we not then made truth um, only accessible through subjective experiences. And now we're having all these conflicts of people's individual truths. So we're left with power dynamics. So I would say those three things right there um, are some of the big ones in terms of just uh, being able, be able to understand the gospel. But the number one thing that is really getting us right now, and people saw it coming for a while, but I don't think any of us knew how fast it was going to take over, is the whole uh, sexual identity and gender identity issues. Um, that if the entire purpose of the gospel is to take a holy God and uh, reintroduce a create right relationship with sinful man, if you redefine, well, first off, they redefined who God was. Now they're redefining what a human is. Once you've redefined these two entities, it's very, very difficult to have the gospel because you don't have the true identity of either of these parties. Uh, and one of the ways they're doing that is through a, a twisting of words. So if um, that's another thing, words right now are under attack. I, I kind of, I couldn't find a good word when I was writing the book. So I coined the term linguistic theft. It's where you have a purposeful uh, hijacking of words, changing their definition, and then reintroducing them as tools of propaganda. And you see it everywhere. Like that, that's been one of the chapters I would say that people say they have the most aha moments on that once they see this redefinition of words everywhere, all of a sudden, the reason why nobody can understand what each other is talking about, it's practically like a modern day babble. So I know yeah, those were a lot totally. of things, but I would say that's that's the web that we're in right now. We can't pick one. There's a web that we're caught in, and those are all the different points of the web. Yeah, the word thing, that really gets me because I'm, you know, I'm in academics. The first thing you're supposed to do is define your terms. Yes. That's how it is in law. My PhD is in law, uh, public law and American politics. And uh, that's definitely how it is in philosophy. My philosophy yes. mentor, Gordon R. Lewis, taught philosophy for 40 years at Denver Seminary. God bless him. He was my mentor mm -hmm. in high school. The, he drilled into us, me and Robbie, as we met with him at once a week in, during high school or senior year. He would say, define your terms and keep the definition the same. Keep yep. the same definition. So when the marriage redefinition thing hap was happening in California about 15 years ago or so, I was in the middle of uh, academic stuff, academic -y stuff about that. I presented, a, I, I did a presentation on a Catholic campus in Los Angeles in 2011 on the definition of marriage uh, with Re Rebecca Roback Morris was there. And uh, we had another person from the, from the philosophy department there. And a bunch of activists came to respond to what I was saying. And all I was saying was, I, I, you know, the, the definition of marriage in my MacBook Pro is a union between a man and a woman by which they become husband and wife. And that's what it is in the English language going way, way before Shakespeare. And in other languages too, like Greek and Latin and mm -hmm. Chinese, stuff like that. And anyway, so they said, well, you, they, they said uh, I was taking rights away from them. And I said, well, I never thought that I had a right to redefine the term. Mm -hmm. You feel like you have that right. They denied that they were redefining anything. I said, yeah. if you give me, I said, if you give me an hour, you will agree with me. They gave 40 and to their credit, these, um, these activists on, on that side, there was one man that was, he told me he was married to this other man that was right next to him. And I said, he said, if, if you're correct, then we're not married. And I said, I think you think you're married, but I don't think you are married because of the definition of the term marriage. It's not me. It's the yeah. term. So I said, if you give me an hour, I will, you know, I'll convince you 45 minutes later, they gave me an hour and I said, you're not going to call me names. I'm not going to call you names. 
Mm-hmm. Ground okay. rules. Right. Well, one of the first things we covered was not only are you trying to redefine marriage, you're trying to redefine the term hate. Yes. And you're using the redefinition of the term hate to redefine marriage. And yes. to their credit, they saw, they agreed with me because mm-hmm. the word hate does not just mean disagreement. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, their slogan for their political side was no, the, the proposition was Proposition 8, defining uh-huh. marriage. So they were saying no hate, no H8, like no hate, you know? Oh, got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, but if hate is just uh, all that is, is disagreement, well, then you disagree with me. And so by your own definition, you hate me. So you mean what you mean is yes, hate, just only on your side. Okay. That was the beginning of the unraveling of their side. Yep. Now they still obviously held their view about the definition Mm -hmm. of marriage, but the, they held it for different reasons. And I think it was helpful because in, and to your point about dialogue, Mm -hmm. see, once the once the presentation was over, there was no debate. If it was a debate, it wouldn't have probably worked. I had yeah. to actually get down there in the crowd. And I, I'm t- when I say crowd, I was surrounded by these <laughs> I, acti- I was surrounded by these activists. And I, I just calmly said, I can take you through that court decision that you're so proud of. And I can show you the logical fallacies in the, in the decision. And he said, I got it on my iPad. That's how much I love it. So please do. And I said, okay, I'll tell you and I'll show you. Uh, He's using this word marriage. He's using it equivocally. He redefined it without telling you. He he defines it now as any close union, which is also Mm -hmm. in the dictionary. That's also in the, in the English dictionary. Like the marriage of peanut butter and jelly kind of thing. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's how the word is used, but it's always used that way of Mm non-humans and the, and the, the MacBook Pro, and I had it. I had my computer. I, I showed him. The, here's M1, uh, Union Between a Man and Woman, by which they become husband and wife. M2, every word has a spelling. I say spelling instead of word. Every spelling mm-hmm. has multiple definitions. Sometimes it's between an adjective and a verb, or mm-hmm. you know, it's a different part of speech. Like minute is spelled different than minute. Minute mm-hmm. is a noun. Minute is an adjective. So I said, these are same spellings, but they're different words and any close union. And, it, and the example that Apple, Apple gave was, yeah. what a year union, was this? it was uh, 2011. Okay. It, and, and I checked the dictionaries. It was up the same dictionary definition up through 2015 in Oxford English. I stopped checking after that because that's when the Supreme court decision came down. And yep. then that alters the data because when the Supreme court tells you to start talking differently then the the dictionary isn't just reporting how people talk anymore it's reporting also how people are forced to talk so that's a different but so but it was uh, the example that the computer gave was a marriage between jazz blues pop and gospel or something like that so i i pointed out that sounds like a fuzz concert (laughs) there's there's four things in that marriage Mm -hmm. because the word union doesn't just mean two yeah that's why in the Civil War, the Union against the Confederacy, the Union didn't just have two states. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if you go with any close union, then you have to open it up to more than two people. Yep. And they were like, no, no, you can't. I said, well, OK, he, they said it's about sexual orientation and you can't change that. I said, how many sexual orientations are there? They were forgetting about bisexuality. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's a bisexual marriage? Tell me about what that is. How many are in yeah. that? So I said, you, if you, if your first foot forward in your definition of your terms, this is what I love about what you're saying about hijacking terms. If your first, first foot forward in, in, in definition terms is, is that the tradition is wrong. And so we're using the term this way. Well, then you can't use the tradition to hem in what you're saying. And mm-hmm. two people in a marriage comes from the tradition. Yeah. <laughs> where else would it, where else it come from? In fact, we get two because logically, if, 
if the two if the opposites are there opposite sex that implies two people not more than two anyway so yeah. we finally um that that's just an example of and we left and they they listened carefully and that was probably one of the best examples that i've seen of dialogical stuff like what you're talking about with paul jackson that's when i started really believing in it and mm -hmm. you know what socrates had this idea a long time ago socrates have yeah. you ever read the socratic dialogues i haven't read, read the socratic it? dialogues but i'm familiar enough with the socratic method yeah so that's i think kids can really benefit from this whole thing so you you know about hijacking of terms that's a really delicate thing. It's, it's kind of, if you get kids starting to think about that, you're going to yeah. grow these awesome, like, you know, I wanted to say monster, but that's the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, in a good way uh, for the gospel. Yeah. So when we recommend to parents like uh, putting a buzzwords board next to the TV that when you hear a word that keeps being redefined, you put it on your buzzwords board because you know, a lot of times when people say this word, they're not meaning what you think they're meaning. Oh, wow. Interesting. Tell me more about the buzzwords board. What's that look like? Oh, I mean, it's just pretty simple. It's just a, an activity that you can do where um, the, the words that we identify in the first book, let me see, I've got this. I think we have love and hate and tolerance, of course, because the idea of tolerance requires there to be disagreement. If you don't have disagreement, you can't have tolerance. So people aren't asking for tolerance. They're asking for agreement, uh, which are two different things. Um, I say justice and equality, the concept of justice. Uh, justice and equality has become so, uh, if anything is different, it's, hmm. it's become unjust and unequal and, uh, you know, equity. The word equity, you know, is meaning for everybody to end up in the same place as opposed to everybody having equal out equal opportunity. It's now everybody's going to have equal outcomes, which anyone who's studied this at all knows knows that the only way to guarantee equal outcomes is to <coughs> control um, to, to control everything. Basically, there's no way you can guarantee equal outcomes without controlling everything. Right. Um, so wait, are these words that you're exposing the kids to like justice and equity? Oh, this is the words that are in the book. <laughs> this is our Molly so, apologetics book. Okay. Um, so, little so, kid, you, so you're saying moms are having conversations about justice, these actual words. Yeah. Getting mm -hmm. these words on the kids' radar. Yeah. And so, wow. uh, bigot would be another one. Um, authentic Ooh. would be another one. Wow. Um, really? I'd say that uh, I, yeah, this idea of authentic, at least within the Christian community, it's it's gone from being honest about where you are to almost like celebrating what a big hot mess you are. And it's like, oh, it, so we kind of, we go into that. That's interesting. Wow. You guys um, aren't I messing was, around. You no. guys are not <laughs> messing around. Dang. You get right into it. Holy cow. I, I can't yep. imagine if my parents were, my, my parents were not doing this with me. So, but I, mm. they didn't really need to because public schools were relatively safe back then. Yeah. Wow. And of course, what we know now, which I didn't get into the book, just because you can only have, you can only open yourself up to so many things at once, but I would say uh, racism and, and uh, Ooh, white wow. supremacy are two yes. of the ones that are that's just, come, you can make it mean whatever you want. Yeah. That's um, right. yeah. Uh, I disagree. Oppressor. I disagree with you. So you're racist. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or oppression and oppressor. And so we, that, we go into linguistic theft in the first book. And then I bring up something in the second book, which is the, this one right here, the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, where we talk not only about linguistic theft, but with linguistic smuggling, which is where you have a previously defined term that everybody already agrees on. And then you have to put something into it. And I would say one of the biggest ones you'll have is the things that are getting smuggled into the word bullying, because bullying has become such a big topic. Um, I think I think it's silly bullying. that we create certain groups that we need to protect from bu uh, bullying. Yeah. Everybody has a story of being yeah. bullied. I mean, okay. the, the redhead freckle face kid across time, unless you lived in Ireland, was always bullied for being redheaded and freckle faced. Or, you know, I was teased mercilessly yeah. for being so pasty white when I was young and mm. having freckles. So this idea of like defining which groups are being bullied. How about just nobody bullies? How about let's define bullying and say, don't do that. 
I know, right? Um, but this wow. idea that now they're smuggling the concept of using the wrong pronoun into bullying. So now we have these zero to- zero bullying or zero tolerance bullying um, areas in school. And now if someone uses the wrong pronoun, that's been smuggled into the concept of bullying. But all the administrator has to do is say your child was bullying another and we have a zero tolerance policy about that. Right. Now all you have to do is uh, redefine zero. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, oh, what golly. I mean by zero is one, there's one option, one, one, well, I don't know how you do that, but yeah, I mean, where do you go? I have a lot of fun in the classroom redefining terms. My students, yeah. for example, I'll give you one example. Um, Professor, are you for traditional marriage? And I'll, so I'll say, well, okay. At one time I actually did this. I brought in okay. a bunch of dictionaries to Pepperdine. Because the situation was, uh, there's a, a restaurant in Venice Beach uh, called uh, Mao's Kitchen. It's named after Mao Zedong. It honors Mao Zedong, the brutal Chinese communist dictator that killed mm-hmm. something like, I Googled it for the kids. I call them kids, even though they're technically adults, I guess. Yeah, they're all kids to me too. No. Um, <laughs> And I, 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 there was a disagreement on Google between whether Mao Zedong killed uh, 45 million or was it 78 million? We don't know, but it's in the tens of millions. Mm. So then, okay, here's the context. So someone mentioned something about Chick-fil-A and how evil that company is. This mm-hmm. is at Pepperdine, which is allegedly yeah. a Christian college. Yeah. So I said, well, which is worse, uh, Chick-fil-A or, or Mao's Kitchen? What do you think? And they said, oh, Chick-fil-A. And I said, why? I'm holding my tongue, right? I'm trying to be dialogical. Why? Because he discriminated. Yep. So, so that's the level. And I'm like, okay, so Mao indiscriminately killed. <laughs> that's better. 45 that's a lot million better. minimum so people. And, and Chick-fil-A never killed anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, had this dialogue. So I, I, I was, I was like driving back and I was like, Lord, how do I reach these people? How? And I, f- I really do feel like, I don't know if you believe that you can get like, God will talk to you, but I really oh, do yeah. feel like, and not like an audible voice or anything like that, but just a strong sense in my spirit and a clear picture in my mind of go to the used bookstore. So I went to the mm-hmm. used bookstore and I got, I spent like a hundred dollars on used dictionaries. I didn't even mm-hmm. have to look at them. And some of them were mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, some of these dictionaries, one was an Oxford English dictionary, two, um, two volumes. It was so big. It actually came with the, uh, not microscope, magnifying glass. Magnifying glass. It actually we came with We just got that. this set for my father for Christmas. It's so got it's the li- little drawer with yes, the magnifying glass I and it comes that. out. And it's like eight on the page so that it's yes. like, it's actually condensed. And yeah. We did that after the, we you saw. actually, yeah, you, mm-hmm. need, you need it. Yeah. You have that. You got it. Um, yeah. We got that for my dad after there was a, a movie that came out recently with Sean Penn that was like on the yeah, yeah. making right. of the, yeah. Mm, the Mad right. Men and the Professor. It was a great that's a good, movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. With mm-hmm. uh, Mel Gibson. Braveheart. I kept getting, yep. I, I make these stupid comments in movies like, what is Braveheart doing? No, that's Braveheart. And people were like, shut up. You know, I'm trying to watch the movie. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, but I brought that in. They were like puppies at feeding time looking at the dictionary. They, they were yep. shocked. They were shocked. I had some from 1800s, some mm-hmm. uh, up to 2015, Oxford English yep. Dictionary. They were shocked. And I said, so Chick-fil-A's big sin was they believed the dictionary. They were using the English language. And meanwhile, Mao is murdering people. Mm -hmm. And I think they were able to see just how sick intellectually and morally and spiritually that was. So, I mean, this, this whole thing about words is so, but they, but they asked me, they said, they said, are you for traditional marriage? And this is where I brought the dictionaries as I said, look under T for traditional marriage. It's not under there. It's under M. Yeah. Because the word is marriage. So it's like, it's just so odd. It'd be like if I was walking into the grocery store and you asked me if I'm, do I want a traditional apple? (laughs) Um, You know, 
Well, it's it's just an apple. The yeah. word it just it you just can just use the word, you know. And so you know, I have these little techniques I do like that where I I, I ask them, uh, uh, are you talking about the traditional word, traditional or the new traditional word? Yeah. <laughs> Oh. There's a lot of mind games you can play when people start just oh when they've got to be delicate. And- yeah, you got to be delicate though if you're trying to raise people that are are sharp. Yeah, because you don't want them to think that anything goes, and it's actually the opposite. I'm trying to get them to see that there's really uh, something you can hold on to. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they ask don't when they look at the dictionaries this is always what they do they go well can't words change but but can't words change and so i'll say i'll say when you say the word change my guess is you have a certain definition in mind for the word change right Mm -hmm. and my guess is it's in that dictionary right it's not true so i say do you mean traditional change where it means become different or do you mean the I new kind this. of change, which means to say the same? And they look at me like, because I believe words can change in the new mm. kind of way where they stay the same. Yes. <laughs> I love like, it. I at love this it. Point, I'm just like, dude, just use language and, and be careful. And so what I love about what you're doing is you're, this has to be working for kids. It has to be, mm-hmm. because as soon as you get them thinking for themselves, even yes. at the risk of maybe not fitting in. See, that's what I worry about is these kids, they want to fit in. I want to fit in. I know that's a huge pressure. When yep. I was in seventh grade, everybody was rolling up their jeans and I didn't understand why. And I never got the memo. I never got the email. And <laughs> so you're supposed to just roll up your, no one understands why there there's never a discussion about it. And same with, no. <laughs> so how do you like, what about that sociological fact of just, thinking for yourself and, and that pressure to fit in, how do you, Yeah. how's that come in? Well, I would say that like, uh, the, I don't know, I'm like the worst person to talk about on fitting. And I don't, I never felt like I fit in ever. Uh, that's why I think like, if I'd been born during this time, I'm like, number one, I was, I, I, I didn't get along. If you, I know some people like the Myers-Briggs, some people don't, but you know, the, I'm a T instead of an F I'm a thinker, not a feeler. So that right there tells me I'm only with 25% of other women, 75% of women are the F's, the feelers. So that right there has this huge chasm between you and the other middle school girls. Um, and then the fact that uh, I just, yeah, I just had a lot of social anxiety and some, some of these things, I didn't like a lot of the traditional girl stuff. I liked talking about ideas and you know, all these different things that if I were born now, I would be told that I felt that way because I was actually a boy in a girl's body. Or that I, or that, um, you know, my sexuality, if I've always felt different, then maybe this is why I'm different. Um, sometimes I think that we have enough kids who there's, a, there, there's a lot of kids who want to fit in, but there's some kids that are, t- if, if they'll get to a certain point where it just gets to such nonsense, that they're like, you know what, I can't fit in. So I'm not even going to try anymore. Like, so Amy, one of our mama bears, her son is like this, God bless him. I love him. He's hilarious that uh, he almost kind of does the opposite. He's almost like his own little rebel. But nowadays, the rebellious nature is where you actually go back to traditional things. Um, and so it's just this beautiful kind of rebellion that's going on. Uh, and I, I think uh, he had, um, he was supposed to give um, a presentation for his class, a persuasive presentation, and everybody else gave it on bullying and he decided to give it on why you shouldn't introduce gender identity to elementary school kids oh, uh, this is like a you know him. a 13 year old boy just He's because vintage, he has, i'll <laughs> give you a word for that vintage and that's yes, a popular yes. word vintage he is vintage <laughs> yeah he has inherited his mother's intellect and his father's kind of rebelliousness and married those two things together and he's a fabulous human being um but i think <laughs> that as as a christian if Christian culture and regular culture weren't that radically different when I was growing up. It was still the basic, you know, Judeo-Christian ethic, you know, with a couple of things, you know, it was, you could, you know, kids would still drink, kids would still have sex, but there were still enough people that would be, you know, if you went too far, at least for girls, you know, if you did that too much, oh, she's a slut or, you know, whatever, you still had something that was a social stigma associated with those things. You don't have that anymore. 
if I had been in a culture, I'll tell you why I loved coming to California is because California, nobody pretended to be a Christian because it was the cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, I love being in California because the people who were there in the church actually believed what they said they believed and coming from the South, that wasn't always the case. Um, so I think that we are going to have a backlash that is coming, uh, for kids that say, I'm just not even going to try. This is ridiculous. It's like, we kind of have this in-between generation that's just wanting so badly to, to make every, you know, not hurt anybody's feelings, not offend anybody because they're not aware that it's impossible to not offend anybody. That's just an impossible task. You're always going to offend somebody. Um, and they just kind of keep going down this path. And I'm seeing some of the kids that are a little bit younger going, that are getting old enough to see the nonsense, just kind of shaking their head going, nope, I'm not playing that game. Hmm. Um, and I think the kids that when they are given the resources to think through things for themselves, the ones that are taught about worldview, one of my favorite stories so far from Mama Bear is this woman who contacted me and said, oh my gosh, you need to be in the movie theater with my child. If she sees something that's a bad worldview, she'll yell out in the middle of the movie, bad worldview. And I was like, I would just be given my like fist pump wow. if I were in that same uh, in that same movie theater. But when kids start to realize how to think critically through things, how to reason through things, it is incredibly empowering. And now sometimes some parents might not like it because now your kids can call you when you're using logical fallacies. Right. And sometimes you're like, it's just because I said so. That's and they're like, right. appeal to authority. Um, but, you know, this is the legitimate appeal to authority. Um Mm-hmm. I just see a lot of kids start to not care as much uh, when they actually feel empowered that there there is truth on their side and there's mm-hmm. logic and there's reason. And um, I don't know, I have hope for especially like, um, yeah, I just I, I have hope for some of the kids. Now, I think uh, the generation that is just buying hook, line and sinker into all the uh, gender identity badness. I think this is just one giant uh, experiment on this generation that we are going to look back and ask, how did, how could anyone allow this to happen one day? But we're, we don't quite have enough hindsight for that yet. Yeah. The Myers-Briggs thing that you mentioned about the true, uh, the, uh, thinker versus feeler, how many people on your team, are they all thinkers you think? Or <laughs> they're all T's. We're yeah. all the ones that didn't fit in with other girls. And, um, and we, we've had like yeah. one or two that were the, the F's on the team before. And I think they're very valuable to have because they really can, can bring that, right. that softness and the, and the, you know, the relational aspect, I would say probably uh, some of us have learned, I've had to learn the language of girls and, and through doing this ministry. And so it's been something where like, yeah. I have to remember, I don't just answer a question and then press send. I have to say, thank you for reaching out. Oh, that sounds like a really good question. And then say it. And then like, you know, kind of, right. you know, piece together some of the answers. <laughs> so it's, I think it's stuff that you can, you can learn. It just doesn't come naturally, but it does make the team have so much less drama. I got to say. Um, yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, there's another part of the Myers-Briggs, which is the I versus the S, the intuitive versus the sensor. And apparently, that's the yeah, uh, the I, I is introvert. Um, uh, N, is sorry, and and sorry mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> yep, there's that's actually my S coming out is that I misspell the I or the N, <laughs> but yeah, um, the sensor is really good for like definitions of terms and yep. like you know, making sure people are on track with that and very sensitive to changes of definitions. Mm-hmm. Um, the N the is kind of people. The, yeah, the end, what I, for the intuitives, I feel like you can pretty much say whatever you want. And then they go, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And even if you didn't say it very well, and it's not mm-hmm. clear that they understand what you said. Um, They're the big picture people where to try yeah. to describe something, sometimes you have no idea. Are we thinking the same thing? Because I'm we're not right. having the communication. Yeah, they might uh, not follow think- up either. They might not follow mm-hmm. up with, a, with clarifying questions. And I, I wonder how much yeah. of that is uh, just a personality thing or, or they think it's not socially acceptable to follow up. Like me, me, meaning other people go, just let it go, you know, or whatever, like fit in. They don't say it like that, but so Mm -hmm. the Myers-Briggs issue, uh, having that on your radar, I think will strengthen what you're doing because there is so, so many, there is such a, a variety of different people that are coming to the apologetic task. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and kids too. I mean, kids have different. So, yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on Hillary. Yeah. Uh, really much, very much enjoyed, uh, talking with you. How to, how do people support what you're doing or find out more information for themselves? So to find out more, uh, we have a website, www.mamabearapologetics.com. And that's mama, M-A-M-A. We got all, all sorts of weird ways that people spell that. But so Mama Bear Apologetics. Um, we're kind of sold wherever books are sold. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Noble. You can go to christianbook.com. Uh, even some of the Hobby Lobby has has our first book. Um, even some of the uh, airports are starting to carry it. So if you see it at an airport, buy a copy so that they know that people are liking this book. <laughs> That's a good, um, yeah. And then uh, we're on the social media. Um, I stay away from Twitter, Amy and Lindsay do that more. I think it's just the wasteland of civilization, but um, I like doing uh, Instagram because <laughs> uh, there's lots of pretty pictures and cute pictures of animals. So I don't get stressed out when I go there, but we still have lots of great uh, kind of dialogue that goes on there with different things. And then of course our Facebook page, um, and to support the ministry, if you go to our website, it'll give you a, a place where you can donate and you can sign up um, as a Patreon subscriber, or you can sign up as a, a one-time or a monthly gift through, um, through uh, the nonprofit arm of the ministry. So lots of ways to get involved and um, lots of ways to find us. That's awesome. The Patreon, what do people get for being a Patreon member? Is it special content that you guys have? Oh, I wish we'd done more than that. Um, since there's so few of us right now, and I've been going through so many health stuff, um, a lot of times it'll be you get you get the some extra detailed podcast notes that are time stamped. So we, we try to always give good detailed podcast notes. Um, the you, the general ones are on the website. The detailed ones are are on uh, for Patreon users. And uh, if we ever make any kind of extra things like, uh, what was it that we made? Uh, like a list of things that you could uh, put next to your TV to help you identify what worldview you're watching. Just little things like that. But um, I, I, would, I would say our perks aren't as rigorous as they could be just because we're such a small team. Yeah. And just to clarify, this whole thing has been about Muslim apologetics, right? So you're a Muslim. <laughs> I have it in oh, my dear. notes. Nancy said you were a Muslim and mama uh, bear apologetics. <laughs> so, uh, you're not a Muslim. Although if you have questions about Islam, ask Lindsay, she's our world religions expert. All right. Well, we'll have to edit all the Christian stuff out. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so you, you mean you're Christian, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're talking about Christian apologetics. Yes. This is, this is Christian apologetics. And, yes. um, it's got a rich heritage going back about 2000 years. Mm -hmm. Wonderful stuff. We'll check you out on uh, Patreon and uh, everybody's got to start uh, chipping in because this is really important stuff. And we got a very brave and insightful people doing this cutting edge work. It really is cutting edge. I'm so excited about it. And I personally am a Christian as well. And so I'll never share shy away from that. What what sense does okay. that make? What what sense does that make to shy away from that? We're all gonna well, die you, at some point. You disowned me die. before others. I will disown you before the father. We uh we you know I'm not we're not taking any of this with us when we mm -mm. go. So nope. Very important stuff. Everything, everything is contextualized by that. So thank you very much for coming on, Hillary and Mama Bear Apologetics. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.